Hey, PLR listeners, everybody's least favorite host, Alex, here. Uh, I'm just letting you know that this is our third installment of the Politico series. We've been posting uh, snippets of the interviews on our free feed, but the full interviews are on the Patreon feed for as little as a dollar a month. You can have access to all of these interviews and the future ones. You can get access to bonus episodes and everything. And the bonus episodes are important because very soon... In order to celebrate the one-year anniversary of PLR Podcast, when the Politico series is over, we are taking a much-needed break. We've been bringing you weekly episodes for just about a year now, and so we think that, uh, particularly after November, that it's time for a break. So... If you like what you hear, as always, become a Patreon backer, unlock those bonus episodes, give them a listen, uh, and, you know, follow along and keep up, and you'll see when we're back to those full episodes. Thanks for listening. Here's Tiara Mack. Thanks for tuning in to PLR Podcast. We are here for the, I think, the third installment of the Politico series. The previous one was David Morales, and we're here with Senator T.R. Mack. Uh, and we're super excited to have her on. Is it her or they, them? Her. Her. She, her. She, her. Thank you. Um, and uh, is this your first time in Red Ink? Have you been here before? No, I've been, I've been here before. I live, like, five houses down. What do you think of the space? Yeah, it's cute. It's nice to have um, not a former police substation in the neighborhood. <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's, uh, all I will say on air is that there are lingering traces of the police substation. You have to come here to find out where they are. That's all I'll say. Try to be <laughs> careful about it. Easter egg dropping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little bit. Um, so... What I normally do, what we normally do with the beginning of these Politico series, you know, it's an opportunity for listeners to get to know you on a personal level, but also on a political and policy level. Cool. Um, and the first thing that I usually ask is pretend I am your, uh, the, the, pretend I'm Dan McKee, uh, and you have to pitch yourself to me in some way. So describe what you're about. In your own words, I guess, for listeners, um, yourself. <laughs> Such an open-ended question. It's very open-ended. Um, I am a queer black woman who is formerly low-income and tries to center all people and voices in policy and conversations, um, unapologetic about my identities, uh, try my best to... Um, uplift different narratives that aren't typically present. Um, I'm a fighter. (laughs) Um, Love a good argument and love a good fantasy novel and because I have like because my attention is all over the place I noticed that my favorite book is like literally right above your head and I just keep on checking it out. Um, Patrick Rothfuss, Name of the Wind and Wise Men's Fears. Still waiting for the third book. Sad, sad. I check on it every three months. He still hasn't come out with it. What do you like about it in particular? Without any it's spoilers. Got a, okay, it has got a strong class narrative. Like for a white hmm. dude, 
this is a fantasy novel that has one a really great magic system and there's a sex worker and then there is a really strong um class narrative that is like super relatable and it's just like phenomenal like as a formerly low income person who was like yeah i can't afford tuition either and then one of the characters is like yeah i can't afford tuition every like semester's a struggle i'm like i feel you <laughs> have you read octavia butler mm -hmm. of course i love kindred oh yeah 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 uh you had mentioned um that you come from a low income household right mm -hmm. yep uh, and i read that you're also from the south Mm-hmm. So I guess a question here might be, can you give us a little information about that background? And then what do you miss the most about the South now that you no longer live there? Um, I miss the food. Mm. Um, Bojangles. Oh, Bojangles. Bo that is a biscuit a... to remember. Yes. A chicken sandwich to remember. Um, Two piece and a biscuit. Yes. It is the food, like chicken and waffles. Waffle House, like all just like the classics that you just can't find, um, like North of Virginia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and what the South was like. I grew up uh, outside of Atlanta and then lived in Columbia, South Carolina for school. Um, I don't really have much to compare it to. There's a lot better infrastructure, like public education is better in the South, um, or at least like where I grew up, or, like went to one of like the top schools in the nation even as a like low income black person like my family always had really great access to like resources um like public education that was like top quality um lots of like public parks and community centers and places like um for like youth to have like recreation like, always playing sports that were um super accessible and super affordable through like community rec spaces and i don't see that up north interesting did you ever go to the Coca-Cola factory? Oh my God, too On, often. like field trips and stuff? Yeah, like literally every year. And the best part was like tasting like, there's like the room of like a hundred different sodas from around the world and just like getting a sample <laughs> of each Coke from around the world. That's, I would like to go to a uh, Lay's potato chip factory of the similar um, layout because mm. I've, I've lived in Russia for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have totally different flavors there. Mm -hmm. And so it makes me think that Lay's must have different flavors according to mm -hmm. local cuisine, wherever they are. So if you go, if you find a similar factory, then you're just in chip heaven where like the number of books here are equal to the number of chips varieties. <laughs> yeah. That sounds chip great buffet. to me. Like I want to say like McDonald's and Czech Republic when I went, they had like spaghetti on the menu. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It sounds actually, yeah, sounds right. McDonald's does the same thing. Uh, so, I mean, something that I think you've probably been asked a million times, too, is where's your accent? Because my mm -hmm. first time in Atlanta, or outside of Atlanta, to be precise, was the first time driving south towards Florida where I noticed a perceptible accent. Mm -hmm. uh, so, like, Virginia, the Carolinas, you know, mostly the urban cities, the, mm -hmm. the urban centers don't really get that much of an accent but outside of Atlanta was the first time where I was like oh that's an accent yeah um I definitely pick up an accent when I go back home or when my siblings are here like my little sister and I um I was with my little sister and she was in um Providence 
and someone's like, why are you speaking like that? I'm like, this is how I normally like talk. But also everyone in Atlanta or like Metro Atlanta area is from everywhere. So no one really has an accent in like the urban core. And then in South Carolina, because I moved there when I was in high school, just didn't have an opportunity to develop a Southern accent. And so now I just have like the, the generic American like accent. I don't know what you even call it. Like just yeah. boring. Yeah. Boring. East coaster. <laughs> North Northeast Coaster, I guess. Uh, we can want to ask a question about your politics first, uh, mm-hmm. and sort of your genesis as a as a politician. Um, but I also read that you have four siblings, right? So you're one of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I'm just curious because I think that you're the first to come on this Politico series with that many siblings. How they have impacted your your politics and your political trajectory, if at all? Oh, wow. Good question. Um, I like having a big family because all my siblings have like very different um, personalities. My older sibling is five years older than me, and he came out when I was in seventh grade as gay and then came out like four or five years ago as trans. Um, So I have an older um, brother who is trans. My other brother is um, never really resonated with school, um, like always was into sports. And one of the only ways for like black men, particularly in the South, to like have access to college or secondary education is through the military. So he went the military route, which is a very different experience. Um, And then my little sister is currently in her senior year of college radically different than I am Um, but um, she also is going into nursing and she's been a CNA since she was in high school so seeing my little sister who's been working at like um, assisted living and like old folks home and has like really been a care worker in a hospital setting and seeing like how little care workers make and they do so much and then my little brother he is 16 and he hates school and systems and structures and like doesn't know what he wants to be when he grows up. And I'm like, yeah, same, because no one wants to be anything when they grow up. We have to labor by like force and not out of desire. Um, so yeah, I think I, I learned something different from each of my siblings and we're all at like different life stages right now too. Um, so it's, it's really nice to just like have access to different ways that the systems at large impact my family. like there's five of us and like we have had different like educational outcomes we've had different like my older brother didn't graduate from college like went to college but didn't graduate um i was the first of my siblings to graduate my brother graduated my sister she's in her fifth year of school and my little brother doesn't want to go to college so like just seeing like how one family can have very different um interactions with systems at large whether it be education um finances, socioeconomic status. Um, like I, when I was growing up, my mom 